Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Texas is on the bubble. Nebraska was definitely louder. LSU's louder. I, ne- I never went to Alabama. We beat Alabama, but it was at Kentucky. Uh, depending whether or not you had the cowbells, uh, Mississippi State's comparable. Uh, Georgia's louder. Florida's louder. Definitely that one end zone in South Carolina is louder. Tennessee's louder. Little Rock, Arkansas, that's the last place I ever played. Um, uh, entirely concrete structure. It's as if you had a football game in the neighbor's basement and all the kids were yelling louder than hell. And um, and you could tell when you were starting out, you know, you'd clap your hands and you'd hear it five times and yell, go, 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 hit, 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 hit. Well, then after, after um, you know, and you figure there's 45,000, you multiply that times five, that equals approximately 250,000. That's a lot of people, and there's no stadiums that hold 250,000 people. So 250,000 people are louder than 100,000. <laughs> Love that. Mike Leach's logic. War Memorial Stadium left an impression on him. And safe to say Mike Leach left an impression on all of us. Sad, sad news. I hate that the uh, the coach is no longer with us, but uh, the stories will continue to come out. I've been reading some good ones on social media today, and we're going to get some more now from Tom Lemming with CBS Sports Network, who's a you know nationally renowned recruiting guy and uh, had a relationship, had some time with Coach, so we want to bring him on on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. Tom, I appreciate you coming on with us. How are you doing today? Yeah, I'm doing great. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just um, shocked. Uh, yeah. I talked to him a couple weeks ago, and – he didn't indicate that there was anything wrong. But, again, he wouldn't do that. Uh, whenever we talked, it was really about football. It was about everything else but football. He talked JFK conspiracy or the <laughs> Chicago mob or Geronimo. Yeah, he was uh, he was a unique guy, a wonderful guy, too, really, if you got to know him. I met him about uh, 22 years ago. We had the same agent, and the New York Times had written stories on him and myself and about a week apart by the same writer and he wanted to talk and called me up and just asked about my national travels and things that I'd seen. He was inquisitive and curious about everything. And no matter when we talked, he said, well, where have you been? And I want to know about civil war history or revolutionary war history or whatever I'd seen. Cause I drive the entire country every year. And, uh, uh I filmed with him in Pullman and in Lubbock and, uh, just a few months ago in Starkville. So I I got to know him very well. He's just a wonderful person. Just really sad that he went at such a young age. Yeah, I think we were all, I mean, we all felt like a gut punch, and we didn't get to know him personally like you did. So it was, you know, but it's just hard. And it's a unique thing. And, and a lot of times I was just thinking, Tom, as you were talking, I mean, you, the unique people in the world are not always appreciated. And sometimes people are a little bit wary of them. He was a guy, though, that resonated with people who were not even huge football fans. What do you think it was about the way he operated as a person that so many people identified with? It's about, and football coaches, their whole life is centered around football. Many of them more so than their own family or anything else that goes on. Mike was completely different. Um, I was with him last year, and I can't remember. It was in November, but he had just lost the game on a very short field goal that they should have won. And I was—I brought my camera crew over. We're setting things up. This is just less than 24 hours later, and he came in real cheerful, gave me a big hug, and we started talking about uh, the Chicago mob because <laughs> <laughs> I live in Chicago. 
nothing about any other coach that have been devastated screaming at the rest of the assistant coaches and his player that you lose a game with a 27-yard field goal that's missed. And no, and him, it was just uh, move on. Uh, football's a, a livelihood, but it's not. it wasn't the uh, end-all to him, unlike most of the other coaches. And he was very successful at his uh, at the way he approached football. And that's why I thought he was a unique kind of person and a, and a, a unique guy because almost every other coach I've met, their whole life is football. Football uh, really uh, dominates, even like I said, even more so than many of them with their families or anything else. Why do you think – we're talking to Tom Lemming on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline if you're just tuning in. Why do you think he entertained some of these – out of the ordinary questions. Obviously, he's a curious person, but most coaches would sort of play them off. I mean, it was everything from you know Halloween candy to the loudest place he played to which coach would win in a fight among the Pac-12 coaches. I mean, guys normally don't <laughs> answer those things. They blow them off and move on down the road to give a very short answer. Why do you think it was so important to him give such a thoughtful answer to everything? He really seemed to put a lot of thought into all these seemingly silly questions. He took nothing seriously like that. You know, again, I think that's what made him unique. Uh, no other football, most of the other football coaches wouldn't have answered him because they would have thought they were silly questions. But I think he understood that football is a sport, the game. It's not, uh, it's not life itself, and it's not something that. Uh, I mean, that, I mean, you take it seriously because it's your job. But I think he did take it seriously. Obviously, I, to, my, to me, he was the greatest offensive mind in college sports, and he. I mean, his football tree is amazing with all the coaches that have followed him. Offensive coaches, the great ones, too. But I do think he didn't take that, he didn't take football as seriously as other people, and I just think he enjoyed life, and he enjoyed talking to unique people and, and trying to find out what made them tick and what kept them going and, you know, what got them excited, and uh, that's why he, he was different than everyone else, and you don't find that. Like I said, this is my 44th year doing this. I met everybody from Bear Bryant, Eric Parsegian, to Bo Schembechler. And uh, and the fact is, uh, he was unique. And to me, he was, and of all the hundreds of coaches I've met, he was my favorite of all of them. And he's going to be missed. And I'm going to stop. I'm going to really feel bad about our long talk. Sometimes I call, particularly when season wasn't going on, we talked for an hour and a half about different subjects and nothing really concerning football. One time I was filming with him in Lubbock, uh, Texas, and my producer had, you know, had trouble reaching him a couple of uh, days before, and he couldn't reach him. He called me, and finally I called him, and he called the Padre. He said, I'm sorry, Tom, but my wife and I were down in Marva, Texas, looking for UFO lights all night, <laughs> <laughs> and they'd have their phone up. And then uh, we took off, and instead of doing football, which is what our show is all about, we drove 45 minutes south of Lubbock to O'Donnell, Texas, so we could go to the Dan Blocker Museum. Now, a lot of the young people don't know who he was, but he was Hoss Cartwright in Bonanza. He was from that town. They had a little museum. We spent a, over an hour in that museum. Those people were thrilled to have the most famous guy in West Texas stopping by. And, and then we moved on, and we started driving back. And he goes, hey, i got to take it to the Buddy Holly Museum. And my producer's pulling his hair out. I go, no, Tom, let him know that we got to be directing this towards football. And uh, he was just a unique guy who had interest in everything. Mm -hmm. That's why he was, uh, that's what made him unique. And you know, talking to most football coaches, 99% of their whole life is football. There right. isn't much going on uh, besides that. He was, I was, when he left um, his first year in, at Washington State, I was talking to him, calling him. He said, well, you must be on the recruiting trail. He goes, no, I'm down in Key West. I go, coach, there's only two weeks left in recruiting. 
he was down relaxing down in Key West, Florida, not going out recruiting where some of these other coaches are out there 24-7. But, uh, you know, he was still able to get the ball players that fit into his, uh, his offense and always made everything fun and interesting. Yeah, I want to ask you about that, Tom, because recruiting is interesting. He's a different cat, and and again, I'm just curious what an 18-year-old kid thinks when, when Mike Leach is there. You know the success and you know the fun personality, but he also wasn't afraid to call his guys out. So uh, how how did you – or what did you hear from recruits, I guess, when you talked to them about Leach and what they liked about you know going to play for him? You know, almost every coach has to kiss the butt of the 18-, 17-year-olds until they actually get them on campus. They've got to schmooze, them, schmooze the parents. And everything. He never was like that. He'd go into a house and do magic tricks or talk about pirates. And uh, the kids always thought it was a little different because the other coaches, you know, and they'd have maybe, and you know how recruiting goes, <laughs> sometimes uh, they'd have alumni, which wasn't legal, but alumni talking to him and doing this or that. He never really had that. He just uh, went after the guys that fit into his system. He didn't care if they were five stars or one star as long as he felt they fit into his system, which made him unique, which also made him uh, – different with the recruits because the recruits are used to the coaches um, saying whatever they need to say to get the ball player to come to their school. He wouldn't do that. He would just explain his uh, offense or his team and uh, let the chips fall where they may in recruiting. That's why he, you didn't see him land five-star ball players. I don't remember him ever getting one at the three schools uh, that, that I knew him, Texas Tech and Washington State, Mississippi State. But he kept winning. And he kept winning because he was a brilliant coach. Yeah, that was my question because he won in Lubbock, he won in Pullman, and he got eight wins this year in Starkville. How was he able to do that? He's brilliant. He's a brilliant coach, and most people uh, that know him know that. He was not just brilliant as a coach. Brilliant. I know he was a lawyer. Uh, he was a unique guy that we would talk. I have sometimes similar interests when it comes to you know, history. And no matter what subject I talked about, he understood it, he knew it, and knew a lot about it. It didn't really matter if it was revolutionary or Civil War history or uh, Chicago mob history or gangster history or anything. He always seemed to be much aware. And it wasn't just the guy who knew uh, a little bit of each subject. He seemed to go in depth in everything. And if he didn't, he would constantly call me to find out more about it. Uh, I mentioned the Chicago mob being here in Chicago, Al Capone and uh, Tony Accardo and all these guys, he read books on that. So he come up and here's a very interesting story. This is a couple of years ago. He's at Washington State. And they're, I think they're playing Eastern Washington or some, some team they should normally beat. And um, he called me uh, the Tuesday before the game, his first game of the year, saying that I just watched this series on the Reels channel about the Chicago mob. And how, could you ask one of your friends that knows this about this business and that? Like so I said, yeah, Coach, I'll get back to you. So I called back. I didn't reach him, so I called his right-hand man, Dave Emmerich, who's now at USC. I said, Dave, uh, tell Coach that, yes, uh, Tony Spalacho was this, 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 and this, and that. And he goes, Coach shouldn't be worried about that. He should be worried about our first game. And guess what? They lost the Eastern Washington. I think one uh, nine or ten straight right after that. Because <laughs> he was uh, – even during the game week, he was still – not a hundred percent, you know, completely focused on football, which made him unique. Yeah, I saw. I just saw a Twitter post. It was with him and his wife and four kids. What kind of family man? What do you know about that side of him? Well, that's what I said. He he would go down to Key West with his family. He spent a lot of time with his family and away from uh, football. He he wasn't um, completely 
overwhelmed by football. Like like I said, when you're at a school, especially in the Southeast Conference, where there's so much pressure on you, you, you got to be spending 20, you know, you don't even see your wife. You got to see it during the season and during recruiting. You rarely see your family because of it. But he was a little different. He spent more time with his family, I'm sure, than most of the other coaches did, maybe even collectively. And uh, But he had fun. He would go do things. Um, a buddy of mine is an actor, Jim Caviezel, who played uh, Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, and I introduced him to Mike Leach years ago. And um, Jim just sent me a picture this morning. At the College World Series, Mississippi State was there in baseball uh, this past uh, year or the year before, and uh, Mike was there with Caviezel. They're out there both having a beer up in the uh, stand, and, and, and Jim sent me the picture of both of them <laughs> saying, hi, Tom, with their, holding the beers up and all that. So he enjoyed life, and uh, he enjoyed life with his family. Tom, we got to run. I really appreciate the time and your thoughts, and uh, obviously condolences to everybody connected to Coach Leach and his family, and uh, we appreciate you sharing that. Anytime. Take care. All right, appreciate it. Thank Tom you. Lemming, CBS Sports Network.